Significant changes have happened in the workforce over the past couple of years since the peak of the pandemic, not just in IT, but in every industry that uses technology to function, which is, well, every industry. One of the dividends of this is that there are more ways for people to be able to work using hybrid models and more intelligent tools. As a consequence, this is also giving a wider variety of people the opportunity to work, especially people who have been significantly underrepresented. To make this happen, organizations of all sizes need to embrace diversity, equity and inclusion to meet the demands of the modern marketplace and equally, if not more importantly, to create and support a fully inclusive workplace. A solution that benefits individual workers as well as the organization itself. And my guest today knows just how to do that. This is the Talus Security Sessions podcast. I'm Steve Prentice. Juan Jones is Director of Diversity, Equity and Inclusion at ISC2, an organization that many people in the tech sector, especially in cybersecurity, are likely familiar with. It is such a pleasure, Duan, to say welcome. Thank you so much, Steve. It's so great to be with you and to talk about such an important topic for the cyber industry. Thank you for having me. It's a great pleasure, and it certainly is a very important topic, and it's one that sometimes lacks clear definition for people because of its importance. People want to recognize and understand if they're doing the right thing and uh, encountering sometimes some challenges that they may not have thought about. So we're going to get into that. But first of all, you know, you are Director of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at ISC2. So can you tell us, first of all, you know, for those who may not be familiar with the organization, you know, who is ISC2 as a company, as an organization, and how did your path lead you here? Absolutely. So for those of you that haven't heard of ISC2, uh, we are the largest membership association for cybersecurity professionals across the globe. And so some of you might know us as ISC Squared, but now we are ISC2. Uh, we've just gone through a great rebranding and we are really focused on not only training and certifying um, cyber professionals, but also advocating for the profession and ensuring that all of the professionals across the globe have what they need to be successful. And whether that means supporting them as they enter the field or supporting them as they advance within cyber, that's what ISC2 is here for. Um, and that's who we are. That's a superb combination, both education and advocacy together. That's a powerful thing for anybody to have in their back pocket as they go through their career. So how did you get there? What's your path? I have probably over 20 years of experience of working um, with nonprofits and also membership associations and have done work throughout my career in diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so I came on board with IC2 back in 2021 um, to help us develop our strategy for what we wanted to do as far as diversifying the cyber profession, but also how we wanted to, you know, really show that we're committed to this internally within our own organization because we had work to do as IC2 as an organization as well. And so that led me to both developing our strategy for our internal work and a strategy for our external work. 
Um, and so I came on board full time at the end of 2021 and have been with the organization um, ever since then, um, leading our strategy and really, you know, being a voice for what diversity, equity and inclusion really means for the cyber industry. Um, and what does it mean? Because it's important to clarify that for um, a lot of people who might be new to what those terms are and might be new to what that means for them as a professional in the cyber ecosystem. It's really interesting that you mentioned that you come in to clean up house at ISC2 as well. And that's a great admission that, that we can all continue to learn, continue to, to grow and expand and break away from the concepts that any terminology can become something that people become blind to after a while solely because it's not reinforced. So it's great to have you at the helm here. And of course, we're now in, a, in very different times. You know, Optimistically, mm-hmm. we call this post-pandemic, at least it definitely is post the lockdown of 2020, 2021. If we're looking at the changes that are happening in the workforce, the changes that are happening in the overall global perspective, but as well industry specific, it's important to recognize before we get into, let's say, the cyber community specifically, that overall, people are generally resistant to change. I mean, acceptance of change of anything is very hard. So even if they agree with the the principle behind making changes in their workforce towards more robust DEI, how are you branding this initiative so that it represents a positive achievement for them that they can grasp and take under their wing to grow inside their own organization? Well, I think, you know, we really have to look at DEI as an essential part of business and a part of everything we do. Um, it's really rare that you would go into any industry, any company, and that company not have an HR team or an HR department. Um, you wouldn't go into an organization or a company that maybe doesn't have business development or marketing or communications. Those are essential things to business, essential things to being able to be successful successful in whatever industry you're in, whether it's cyber tech or not. And so having a DEI function within your organization is just as essential as those components, as HR, as marketing, uh, because it's really speaking to your commitment to doing things the right way, but also to being successful. Um, There's so many different statistics and um, data that exists that talks about the importance of DEI to being more productive, to being more innovative, to having more creativity, and to um, having a really sustainable workforce. And that's really what it's all about. It's about building a culture that um, people want to work for, that they want to work with. um, And that's what DEI can bring to your organization. And it's so important. And we found in our um, 2022 workforce study that we did at ISC2 that having DEI both for the individual, for the individual employee and for the organization is an important issue. And we've seen that across the board that more and more people, more and more leaders, more and more organizations are recognizing that we need DEI. Um, we need, if we don't have it, we need to figure out how we're going to implement it. Um, because in order to sustain yourself and be successful, especially, um, in 2023 and 2024 and beyond, you're going to need that in order to be a successful and an effective organization. So let's look at the cyber community specifically because the majority of our listeners are involved in cyber, whether it's uh, from software development through to cybersecurity or management, leadership, branding. But is this an industry that has done well in embracing DEI? or not? You know, what more can be done for people who are working in the cyber community? 
That's a great question. And so I, I would say it probably depends on who you ask, whether, you know, it, it's doing well or not. I would say in some aspects, yes. Um, I think when you look at the neurodivergent community and folks who might be thinking differently, we're doing really well as far as bringing in people who can think about solving a cyber crisis or um, a cyber threat in a different way. Um, but when you look at certain statistics around people of color, and around women within cyber, we have a lot of work to do. I think um, right now we're looking at about 25, 26% of the industry is women. And even less of that is people of color. And so we know we have a lot of work to do um, to bring those people into the profession and to ensure that they're as successful as they can be. And I think, you know, that is really where the work lies, not just in bringing them into um, the profession, but making sure that we're building more inclusive environments, inclusive cyber teams and inclusive um, cyber organizations so that when underrepresented groups come in, they have their sense of belonging. They feel like they can um, succeed and they feel like they can continue can continue to progress and can continue to become leaders within the field. And that's really the work that needs to be done right now. It's very interesting that you bring up the, the two sides of this, bringing people into the profession, which sometimes gets overlooked because there's a natural assumption that people all have equal access to the profession, which of course is not true, but mm -hmm. bringing them in and then ensuring that this is an equitable environment. So, ISE2 has toolkits to help. So can you describe some of the things that you have done or are doing to help organizations basically practice this habit, you know, develop better inclusive environments? Absolutely. And, you know, that was one of the things, one of the first things that we did was really recognizing that uh, organizations and organizational leaders need help. They need help to, you know, how do I even start? How do I even begin um, to recognize what my organization needs, um, especially because every organization is different. Every cyber team is different and you're going to need a different approach um, based on where you are as an organization. And so we developed a DEI resource center, which is available on our website. It's um, all of the materials on there are free of charge. You can go on and download um, the toolkits and some of the articles that we have available, but we give you, you know, sort of the A to Z of how to start a strategy, how, where do you start? Um, how do you bring in the right people to um, be a part of the project or be a part of the process to develop your own um, DEI strategy? We also give you tools around you know, vocabulary if you want to start with basics of what does diversity mean? What does inclusion mean? Um, what's the difference between equity and equality? And so we give you those types of um, terminology guides so that you can, you know, know what you're talking about and know what it means for your organization. Mm -hmm. And so we have a lot of those things available for organizations and for organizational leaders. But then we also have toolkits for diverse professionals. Um, if you're, you know, new to the industry or you really don't know much about cyber, we give you a toolkit to say, okay, how do you transition into cyber? 
if you're a student, how do you get your first gig in cyber? Um, and so we have a lot of that available, recognizing, again, that people um, need that help. They need those resources. And so um, we wanted to make them available for free for anyone to be able to use. That is wonderful. I mean, just knowing that those resources are there and available gives people that, that first step up, which is fantastic. Duane, can you tell me more about the One Million CC program? So one of the things that we're also doing here at IC2, and it kicked off last year, was we launched a 1 million CC initiative. And the CC stands for Certified in Cybersecurity. And that is our entry level certification. And the 1 million CC is our commitment to break down the barriers and increase accessibility for people to enter the field. And we built the CC specifically for people who had no um, foundational knowledge in cybersecurity, and they can be a part of this program for free, where we're giving away the training and one exam seat to become certified in cybersecurity. And our commitment is that at least 500,000 of that 1 million is going to go to underrepresented individuals. And so we really are committed to making sure that we can do what we can to decrease the workforce gap and get as many underrepresented individuals into cyber as possible. Nothing succeeds like success. So wondering if you have any case studies of organizations that have done this well already and that we could look to to say, yes, this works. It works extremely well. And we can emulate some of these best practices, not only from the toolkit from ISC2, but also from peers in the industry. So do you have any particular organizations that stand out that way? Yes, absolutely. One that comes to mind is definitely Google. Um, they have done a lot of incredible work and have been doing the work for years, actually, to ensure that not only their workforce that um, specifically works in cyber um, and in tech is diverse, but also um, their commitment to the industry overall um, and being able to sponsor and help support various projects and um, initiatives that are out there. But I think one of the key things that I see from Google is the leadership commitment. And that's one of the first things that you need, that any organization needs, is that top down commitment to say, OK, this is not going to be just a check the box um activity for us. Um, this is something that we're committed to and that we're committed to for the long haul. And that commitment is really, it's about, okay, resources. Um, you can't do this without resources. You need people, you need budget. Um, and you also need accountability and metrics to measure yourself against. And so um, Google does a really great job of that. I, I love the transparency that they have where they publish their report on a regular mm -hmm. basis, not only for people who work for Google, but for the world to see, here's what we committed to and here's how we're doing. And I think that so that accountability is so important and that transparency is so important because people need to see, okay, we tried this and maybe it didn't work or we tried this and it did work. And, oh, let me, you know, duplicate that in my own organization and because I saw it was successful. And so they continue to do a really great job in that commitment, in that accountability, but also in their training. They make training um, mandatory for employees to both learn about um, diversity and inclusion practices and make sure that their leaders are trained as well. 
So I, I definitely Google is a great example. That's wonderful because it's an organization and a company that everyone is familiar with. And uh, some of us are old enough to remember when it first started, when it became uh, an, a new company that no one had ever <laughs> even thought about the mechanics behind search engine technology. I mean, this is going way back. But for them to demonstrate that it can be done at scale, at global scale, I think is encouraging for companies of any size to emulate this. So this is helpful material. But when we expand the concept of what DEI is, I mean, we're also talking about a diversity, f- and not just simply in people's physical cells, but also that the fact that you can bring people in from other areas that are not tech and bring them over into the tech world, even if their previous career was not in tech. Uh, so this is something I imagine you've seen a lot of. What's, what are your feelings about this kind of cultural expansion that you can hire on people who come from very diverse backgrounds and have success in the tech sphere. Right. And, and I'll, you know, take it even back a little further. And, you know, we talked about, you know, what does diversity mean and what doesn't, what, what does it not mean? And I think, you know, oftentimes people think about diversity in terms of gender or in terms of race and ethnicity. And it goes way beyond that. It can be diversity of region. And that's something that we look at internally at IC2, um, to ensure that we have representation across the globe, um, to ensure that that, you know, diversity of thought. We're looking at, okay, how many people can we bring in um, into cyber that don't have a four-year university degree? We're looking for people who might just come from high school and they're coming in with a ton of knowledge that can be used. Um, You talked about bringing in people from various backgrounds. When you think about cyber and think about some of the cyber challenges and threats that um, our world is facing, If you have someone who came from a healthcare background, they have a knowledge that a lot of people wouldn't have about how hospitals or how medical systems work, how um, medical records work. They have that knowledge that others might not have. And when you can bring someone who's worked in the healthcare industry into cyber, they have a totally different view about how people might be able to get into your system. And that's what we need. We need people who might have been in the education um, industry, people who might come from legal, people who might come from all sorts of industries and bring them into cyber because the the attacks are coming in our, you know, folks are being attacked from every different avenue. And we need people with that diversity of thought to come in um, and help protect our systems and our infrastructure. About 20 years ago, I was working with an executive whose company imports high-quality food ingredients for restaurants, you know, the fancy olive oils and the fancy chocolates and so forth like that. Another wonderful person. And he was himself neurodivergent. He was, uh, by his own admission, he told me this straight up, uh, that he was on the spectrum and had difficulties understanding and relating to other people and, and needed some help in creating. But the thing that he wanted me to help him create, and I just love this story. This is 20 years ago, a very, very advanced thinking person was saying that, you know, we want to hire people who fit our culture. And we might not even have a job opening for this individual, but we want them to be foodies, people who love and have a passion for food. And if they are part of that, we will find a job for them inside the organization. They'll start out doing warehouse work, but we'll find something for them. 
And I thought this was a remarkably uh, clear vision from somebody, again, two decades ago, um, looking at the fact that you can bring people in exactly as you said, from different places, and their collective passions and experience build the company in a way that standard resumes and HR departments could never fully exploit. So it's fun to see that there are some case studies outside of the the norm or outside of this last five years of, of life that people can look around and see from their own perspectives. I Again, it excites me to, to hear about the opportunities that people can have coming from different areas and blending, and that chemistry becomes a sum that is greater than the individual parts. So I'm sure there's a lot of people who are really interested in this and say, yeah, we'd love to do more of this. Okay, we've got the tools we can go check out at ISE2 and we've got the role models at Google. Do you have like a list, like a top five list of things to make sure their environments are more inclusive and that they are promoting it rather than just simply giving it lip service? Do we have like a listicle that we can bring into the conversation? Yeah, I do. And I, the first thing on, you know, that I always look to and that I alluded to a little bit earlier is that top-down commitment. You need leadership's commitment um, in order to do this and to do it well. And if you don't have that, unfortunately, it's going to be very difficult. And so um, that's the first step is really getting that buy-in and getting that leadership commitment um, so that you, you know, you have that runway to really be able to be successful. I think the second thing is assessment. Uh, I think uh, where a lot of organizations um, might fall short or might make a mistake is kind of, okay, we need to um, implement DEI and they just jump right in without knowing where their organization is or what their organization um, needs in order to have a successful DEI initiative. You really have to assess your organization. And that means assessing leadership, assessing um, employee engagement, assessing your policies and procedures. You really have to do a comprehensive job at finding out where your organization is um, on the inclusion journey so that you can figure out, okay, okay, here's what we need to do. Here's where we need to start. And there are so many resources and um, consultants and um, folks out there that can help organizations with that. But that's really important. And the third thing is resources. You need people, you need budget, you need time um, in order to uh, make sure that you're implementing your DEI strategy in the best way possible. And again, it goes back to, you know, you wouldn't have an HR team or a marketing um, team that doesn't have people and that doesn't have a budget to be able to do what they do. And so you need that for DEI as well. And then you need a strong strategy. Um, you need to take the time and, and this is, you know, it's difficult. Sometimes you have to be patient and you have to build the strategy. Um, and you can't just, you know, just start and, and think that things are going to go well. You have to really build out your strategy and make sure that it's comprehensive, make sure that it includes everyone in the organization and making sure that everyone has their input. Um, because again, this is, this is your culture. And your culture starts with people, with people, people, people. And so you have to make sure that they're a part of the process. And then the last thing is accountability, making sure that you're transparent about where you are, transparent about your successes and your failures, because that's how you move forward. Um, and that's how you're, you can become successful together um, as an organization. These are great tips for 
working in this new era. So my last question or last sort of uh, zoned to get into here is exactly this. This post-pandemic world that we're in now, we're looking at hybrid workplaces. We're looking at not only working from anywhere, but also working from any when, you know, different approaches to time around the clock. And I mean, there's a lot of people out there who are not morning people who can find <laughs> great uh, productivity with an organization that recognizes that, that, you know, don't talk to me before noon. That's an okay thing. So yes, we've got this new hybrid workplace uh, with companies either accepting or dealing with or even retracting from the concept of work from home. And we've also got new people joining the workforce as always, but again, young people who perhaps never have, have never had a chance to work in an office because of the circumstances of the last few years. So what are your observations about this new landscape that we're in, in terms of how DEI would fit in, but just simply how different it is from the before times? And how do you as a professional see these changes? I, I see them as being a that the world has opened up with opportunities. And I think especially when you're talking about bringing in more underrepresented groups, bringing in groups into tech who maybe wouldn't have looked at um, cybersecurity or the tech world before. This is huge because the generations that are coming into the workforce right now, they're looking at work completely different from my generation um, as far as, okay, I want to be able to travel and work. I want to be able to um, enjoy friends and enjoy my life and work at the same time. I want to be able to work on a park bench if that, you know, if that is what suits my lifestyle. And so the opportunities are boundless um, for organizations to be able to attract that talent if they can keep it, um, keep keep those benefits and keep that um, workspace open for people to be able to work the way that they need to, um, but it also opens up um, the opportunity for individuals to find their niche, to find mm -hmm. um, the organization and the, the cyber team that works for them, um, especially because, again, you can do this from anywhere. Um, you can do cyber from anywhere in the world. And so that just opens up the portal for more and more people to be able to come in and be successful. I think it's so exciting because this is an industry. I mean, there are some, of course, like in any other industry that have to be on the physical machines, but there's a lot of potential, as you said, for people from all over the world to be able to find that safe home through teleworking, through virtual presence, whatever you want to call it. So this is exciting stuff. It's an exciting time. And of course, October is Diversity Awareness Month. So it's a great opportunity for attention to come to the desks of those who may have been not aware of its value to the organization as well as to the people inside. Is it good to have a specific focal point in the year? Does it detract from the status of practicing this on an annual basis? Or is it good to have the Diversity Awareness Month as it is? And if so, what can organizations do to both contribute to it and also learn from it? It doesn't detract. I think it really gives us an opportunity to remember and to highlight. And, and I think about um, that in the same way that, oh, is it, you know, bad for us to have a Valentine's Day here, you know, in the U.S.? Is it is it bad for us to, you know, celebrate and remember Veterans Day or Fourth of July? No, it's of course we want to show people that we love them 
every day of the year, but it's a good time to remind us, you know, oh, this day I really want to make sure I hone in um, and appreciate and love those who um, are part of my family and friends mm-hmm. and what have yeah. you. And so, no, I think it's great, but I think where we might fall short is on, is keeping it to that month. Um, and, and, and just like, um, diversity awareness month. You have so many um, months and holidays and things to celebrate throughout the year. Right now we're, um, you know, we, we have things that are happening with um, Black History Month and with um, Hispanic Heritage Month and with um, Native American Month. And you, you can't stop there. You have to continue to do it as an organization, continue to celebrate, continue to use those opportunities to learn about cultures that might not be close to you or that you might not be a part of. And so I think that's what's important is to make sure you recognize it during the month, but make sure you keep it going throughout the year. This is a, a very powerful demonstration of the value of DEI in an organization. You've given us some great tips. Any other advice that comes to mind as we close off? I would say start at the beginning. So, you know, start where you are, but it's really important to start from somewhere. Um, you might be in an organization that isn't, um, isn't committed or they might not have any DEI initiatives. That's okay. Um, start from where you are. And, you know, start to make incremental changes, start to, you know, bring conversations up with your leadership so that they can continue to hear and that it can be it can continue to be a part of the conversation um, because we have to keep going. And in order for us to really um, close the workforce gap that we have, we know we need millions and millions of people in cybersecurity. And so we all have to start somewhere and let's just keep going. Well, Dwan Jones, Director of Diversity, Equity and Inclusion at ISC2, it has been an absolute honor to have spent some time with you today and I really, really appreciate your wisdom. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Talis Security Sessions podcast. Thank you. I appreciate it. Great to talk with you. Remember, if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe and tell a friend or a colleague or a client or all of them about the Talus Security Sessions podcasts. It really means a lot. And we will be back again next month with another episode and another discussion on the topics you need to know about to successfully carry on in the business of information security. Until then, I'm Steve Prentice. Thanks for listening.